Today on Locked On Flames, we are going to discuss, is this team a playoff team or are they missing the mark? And you'll have to decide who has the stronger argument here on today's episode of Locked On Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Flames. My name is Jess Belmosto, and today I am joined by Nick Zeraris, and we're going to have ourselves a nice old-fashioned debate. Think of it as a very more reined-in version of Undisputed. No one's screaming and no one's cutting each other off. We're just here to have fun. But before we jump into things, please remember to subscribe to Lockdown Flames wherever you get your podcasts. We are free, uh, free 99 everywhere, Spotify, Apple, Audible, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube or you want to chime in here and you're listening on audio, head on over to Lockdown Flames on YouTube and let us know who... Who won the debate? Who had the stronger arguments? I feel like I'm preparing for trial. Nick, how are you doing? I'm very good. That's what this was born of, was somebody, because I definitely followed a couple of people who are like pre-law and like LSAT prep oh, yeah. stuff on TikTok out of curiosity a couple of years ago. And still every now and then I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I have a bunch of LSAT books gathering yep. dust <laughs> on my bookshelf. So let me use that part of my brain here and have a, a good old school debate where we actually believe the talking points we have as opposed to being handed them by a producer five minutes before the camera starts rolling, like all of the sports talk shows. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I I think you should start this off. Yes, yeah. And then I will happily follow your lead because I, I think we are two uh, very like-minded people in terms of critical thinking skills and ability. So let's put it to the test. So I will be playing the role of the defendant on today's episode and making the case why the Flames are a playoff team. And we are not going by a reasonable doubt standard. We're not going by a more likely than not standard. We're not going by a unanimous jury verdict. We are going by the very simple, this is the internet, I made my point, I am correct scale. So Jess and I are both going to say we're right, and it's going to really be up to the audience to decide who's right. So my most, the most important factor, and I've been saying this for weeks on the show now, the Western Conference is not a very good conference. That is the single most important thing. And that really has nothing to do with the Flames in terms of why they are a playoff team. It's more that they have a good chance of being a playoff team based on what's going on around them. So the first thing, and I've talked about this especially, is in the Western Conference, the goaltending is very sketchy. Nobody has a goalie, aside from Winnipeg, who the Flames played the other night and tragically lost against. Aside from them, and Ottinger, when he's been right this year, nobody in the West 
particularly scares me between the pipes. The teams that the Flames are in direct competition with, like the Oilers and like the Avalanche, kind of dealing with their own goalie issues. Stuart Skinner's been very good. He's never played this much before, though. He hasn't played this many games in a season since, I want to say, 2021 in the AHL. And then before that, he hadn't played more than 30 games since like 2017 when he was in junior and he played a full season there as a starter. So that's the first thing. The, the environment is fertile for the Flames to even stumble into a playoff spot. That's the first part of this is. And the other part of it is there is talent on this team that is underperforming what you would expect. So if you get a little bit of positive regression from guys like Blake Coleman and Andrew Mangiapane and everybody who's already playing well plays a little bit better, it's very easy to see how just the environment being favorable can makes the Flames a playoff team. And we haven't even gotten into the more deeper parts of this, of who I think will be better down the stretch and why they're playing better the last couple of weeks. Just big picture-wise, the rest of the Western Conference and the Pacific Division especially is not that good. Well, you're not wrong. I will give you that. I think everybody kind of knows that the Western Conference is the weaker conference, of course. But my first issue immediately is Jacob Markstrom and the goaltending you know he has looked great but he hasn't had enough of a workload to get into a rhythm to just find that success and last year we saw him with 63 games an insane workload he was cooked by the end of the playoffs and I think not even before the end but throughout the playoffs and I he has just this struggle of being able to stop sometimes like tracking the puck I think can sometimes be a difficult issue for him but so far this year he hasn't hit like a solid 9-1 save percentage he's just been his baseline last year was an outlying year we talked about it on the show And the last time he was in the playoffs was with Vancouver or prior to last year with the Flames was uh, with Vancouver. And he had a 919 save percentage in front of, well, not in front of, but he had the, (laughs) he had Quinn Hughes and Chris Tanev as his top pairing defensemen. And I find it very funny that Chris Tanev is just kind of, the the glue here. He is the common denominator. But again, it's not a very solid defense, but he he hasn't found success in the playoffs. He's 32 years old. And that's old in goalie terms, in hockey terms. You know, like once once you turn 30, you're just kind of like on your way to a nursing home. And for Jacob Markstrom to be missing the the opportunities to stop the puck or to get ahead of the game and to stop allowing the first shot to be the first goal of the game by your opponent is just like I feel like it's common sense and you you don't want your opponent to take the lead he is someone who is so in his head he had nine shutouts last year he has none this year is the focus and his mental is he here is he locked in with the calgary flames okay so first thing it is a retirement community not a nursing home (laughs) first thing second of all 
He doesn't even have to be that good. He just has to be better than the other goalies, which is the main thing I want to point out here. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with that. I don't think he has been as good as he's capable of being. Stuart Skinner has definitely been better than him, Mm -hmm. but Stuart Skinner has not started more than 24 NHL games in his career. I mean, coming in in a single season, he has a couple of spot starts here and there the last couple of years, but he doesn't have an extended period. Phoenix Copley, the third goalie on the, um, the Kings depth chart, who's kind of taken that role from Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. He doesn't have that much NHL experience. And then you talk about Grubauer, Drieger, Martin Jones. That's not exactly the 27 Yankees in Seattle in the crease. You start, and that's the thing. I don't think Markstrom has been that good this year. But the one thing I will say, to kind of tie up this point before we move on, they have gotten better in the last couple of weeks. They took 11 points out of 14 And that's a sign that things are starting to stabilize. And we've been saying they're an inconsistent team, and they still are. They are an inconsistent team night in, night out. You really don't know what you're going to get from the Flames on any given night. If the team in front of him even has a modicum of stability, that will help his performance. It's not, I'm not disputing it. Vladar has been better than Markstrom in the workload that Vladar has had versus yes. the works that the workload that Markstrom has. You're not going to start Vladar in the playoffs. No. And well, that's different. Once you get to the playoffs, that's different. You ride the hotter goalie. If you, if your goalie gets shelled in game one and your backup comes in and gives you a chance, you could maybe ride the hot hand, but long term, no. You don't want to be riding Vladar three out of every four starts the rest of the way here. They need the biggest, and this is going to be the thing I talk about in the next leg of my defense here for the Flames, about the defense. If the defense can tighten up just a little bit, that's going to make the goaltendings a little bit easier. If the defense tightens up, it's going to make the forwards jobs a little bit easier. That's going to help the goaltending as well, because they're going to be on offense more often. So I've got a few prongs of my defense here and why I feel relatively confident in this. Well... If you want to stick around and listen to that, I think Nick has a very solid case here. But like we said, it's not up to us to decide. We chose our right answers. But you can head to Bet Online and place your bets if you think the Flames will make the playoffs or not. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and now hockey. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts and need a break from us here debating on Locked On Flames, head on over to BetOnline and you can find a plethora of podcasts there as well. We're the easiest and fastest way to get your sports betting information. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more. Please remember that your parlay is not more important than a player's life and safety. Bet online, where the game starts. I am very interested to see how this uh, this next day in court goes. Okay, would you, so would you like to present your case? Okay, so the next part of my defense, and this is obvious. The Flames are going to add at least one, two, two pieces at the trade deadline. This is not the Flames roster that we will see March, April, down the stretch when it's really nitty-gritty to see who's going to be in the playoffs and who's not. Right now, they have $2 million in cap space on deadline day, which is March 3rd. They'll have $6 million. They will be able to get more or less. They can get one marquee player who makes a lot of money. They can get two middle six guys. They can get two depth guys. The first part of this I want to say, I need Daryl to give – 
Rizichka a little more ice time because he's been very good. And that's an in-house solution to a problem you have right now. I get they don't want to take him out uh, out of the middle and play him on the wing because he's been so effective in the middle, especially defensively. But in the limited ice time he's getting, he's been very good. We know the Flames need one more winger in there. They need one more forward, period, in their top nine. And then if you say you want to get a 13th forward, okay, and you slide somebody else out, you want to play a little more matchup dependent, what you want on your fourth line. I think that that's another part of this is this is not the final version of the Flames roster. We know that this group, that this brain trust between Daryl and uh, Brett and the and uh, Brad Tree Living, they've put together a team with the mindset that this team should be winning the Stanley Cup this year or next year, and they're not just going to wait and see what happens. They are going to add to this group because if they were going to be patient and try and wait it out, they wouldn't have made the moves they made over the summer. They would have looked for more future assets as opposed to getting Mackenzie Weger and and Huberto back. They would have asked for draft picks instead, but they think this group is relatively close. They're going to bolster this group. You mentioned uh, we were talking before we were talking about our sponsor. 20-1, to 1, the Flames are to win the Stanley Cup right now. That's what I saw earlier today. They're firmly middle of the pack in their odds they were the last in the graphic i saw on twitter just right before we started mm -hmm. recording they are going to go for it because that's the way this roster is set up there is no ascending youth on the horizon here yes they've gotten some good results from rizichka who got called up during the course of this season we saw matt phillips get a couple games there is no youth movement on the horizon here this group was put together to go for it this year Brad is going to be aggressive, and they are going to add to this group. What they're going to add, I'm going to get into a little bit, but I want to give you a chance to respond. So before, I actually saw this question raised on Twitter last night, and when I saw it, I was like, it is too late to text Nick. It is not. It's never no. too late. Up. But with Oliver Shillington being in the position that he is, can they move him to LTIR to open cap space no because he's not injured that's one of those things where they could they could suspend him so they don't have to pay him but you yeah. wouldn't want to do that because you don't want to mess with the relationship with the player so yes hypothetically you could make that money available but that's another thing and i forgot who wrote the article i've read it this morning one of the things i was doing prep on was i literally went to google oliver chillington news tab and yeah. looked for anything and nobody really knows anything so you can't bang on him coming back and even if he does come back he's gonna need a few weeks to get up in the game speed because it's one thing to work out it's another thing to play in an nhl game that's one of the things i have written down here on my notes they need one more defenseman it's very nice that they brought michael stone in again and he's a fringe guy he's your seventh d that's fine that that third that third d pair has not been great this year part of what made the pair so effective they had last year with Branson and zadorov was they weren't asked to do too much they kept it very simple they played a high line they kept everything in front of them they did an old school no doubles defense like in baseball and if you got around them you were in the score because they're both very large and slow but that was kind of that was a conscientious approach of they're going to play deeper in the neutral zone so everything stays in front of them it, it that's the i would like them to go out and add one more defenseman slide michael stone to that that seventh forwards that seventh defenseman spot which is what he's well suited for where he comes in every now and then and one more top nine wing 
There's plenty of candidates. We can do fancy things. We could talk like Vlad Tarasenko, who did get put on IR, and we don't know what he, how long he's going to be out. But you could talk something fancy like that. You could be a little more low end. You talk someone like Tyler Mott on Ottawa. If you just want somebody with a little more flexibility, can play a bunch of different spots. There are options. But that's the that might be aside. That's the biggest thing about the Flames themselves. Why I feel they're a playoff team because they're going to get better just by adding pieces to the group they already have. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that. I think I'm going to touch on that here um, with my next point is the goal scoring and the consistency of offense, of the offense. Um, We need to, you know, state the obvious and get the elephant out of the room. This team is a lot slower than it was last year. There is not, um, you know, a lot. There's not a lot of youth on this team. Uh, I would say that the Mangiapane, Backlund, and Coleman line may be your fastest. Um, I think that they're just kind of more cohesive as a group. I really like that line. But there's no one that is parking themselves in front of the net consistently and playing the rebound. Milan Lucic, okay? Listen, I know, I know I got a comment or a message on New Year's Day talking about how I shouldn't rag on Lucic. This is the anti-Lucic top six podcast. Sorry. But you can't just sit there in front of the net and not look alive. You have to do something. You have to be effective as a player. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Because we've seen throughout the league, you just make millions of dollars, you do nothing, and you have a good day. But there is not someone out there that you look to and you're like okay you're gonna have a Gaudreau goal tonight you're gonna have a Kachuk goal tonight fantastic you know that when Matthew gets behind the net or Johnny gets behind the net you know they're gonna score there is none of that this year they are missing two 40 goal scorers and that's what, they're missing that finishing touch like it's so close they get to like 90 percent and it's just kaput it falls apart Lindholm is doing fantastic. I think yeah. that the Dubé um, to Foley combination there is great. It's much better than I expected. To see Dylan Dubé up on the first line and thriving is great. If you told me back in 2021 that that was a solution, I would have laughed. Not because of Dubé, but because of other circumstances in the team. I think that there are <laughs> better suitors for who's on your top line. Two but, years ago, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But he is doing great. Uh, Toffoli proved me wrong, and it's great to see him up there doing well. But again, you brought Kadri in because, again, Daryl Sutter guy, but he was coming off of an outlying season. Now that you look at it, he was doing a point per game. He's not doing that. Yes, he's scoring goals, but it's not consistent enough. And is Dubé on the top line something that's sustainable for the another half of the season. The deadline is it's right here, but if they don't figure something out or the guy that they bring in that isn't isn't cohesive enough and they don't really have enough time to work with him, kind of like to fully got a, a really good start, but I feel like there wasn't kind of, there just wasn't enough time to truly bring him to the forefront like he is now. But um, 
I just, I don't see this as a sustainable thing. You can't go out there and have your only goal scored be by defensemen. That's, it's great. Good job, Zadorov. I'm very proud of you. But we need to figure something else out too. Backlund shouldn't be your only forward scoring in a game. No, that that's a fair critique. They have not been entirely consistent on offense. Um, the power play is not nearly as good as it's been in the past. That's the problem when you don't have that elite guy. Like, Lindholm is probably their best offensive player in terms of skill set, but he's not the type of player where he can kind of playmate the way Johnny does, where he can get the zone entry by himself and wait for everybody else to catch up. He's not going to be down low, being a menace like Rathew was. That's something that, that the Flames kind of misses. I mean, you saw it last night in the game against Winnipeg where Dubois was just Dubois was just a, such a pain last night. Every single I had time... I so much fun watching that game, though. Like, I... Every single time, I'd be like, why is it four on four in the offensive zone and there's no penalty? Oh, Luke Dubois on somebody's back in the other zone. (laughs) And they're wrestling behind the net because somebody, for no reason either. Yeah, no, the Flames definitely need a little bit more of that. They need somebody with a presence who can kind of make the game go through them. They have a couple of really, really good players. Like, in terms of the game going through them, I I would honestly say Rasmus Anderson is the closest thing they have to that, where when he's on the ice, the game kind of flows through him in a way that it did in the past for Johnny, for Matthew, for those other high-end players, where every time he's on the ice, you know he's going to be able to make a play. Uh, that that's a fair critique. I'll give you that. Uh, I don't think there's a player out there that they could get at the deadline. So I think you got me there on that point at least. I don't think there's that type of impactful player available unless something drastic happens that we don't really see coming. Like maybe an Anthony Duclair, if he's healthy enough at, to yeah. get in, he could slide in and be that extra forward. But he's got term going forward, so that might be a, bit, a little bit tricky for the Flames to squeeze in, but that's the most, like, dynamic-ish player I could think of off the top of my head yeah. without doing a little research. Yeah, and, you know, I think last year at the deadline, they got lucky. Yeah. Fully. They got so lucky. I remember seeing that news and being like, this is a real tweet. This isn't, like, I'm not being duped right now. But, no, I think that it's going to be tricky for them, especially with the cap space and cap crunch that they could be in in the near future. Um, And and they're in Canada. That's the other thing. They are one of the Canadian teams. They have to deal with the fact not everybody wants to get traded to Canada, guys with no trade lists. Yeah, that's another part of it. Exactly. And coming up next, we are going to wrap up with our closing arguments and hopefully – Well, one of us will win, but hopefully you choose the right one to win. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into Locked on Flames. It is a pleasure ringing in 2023 with you. Uh, Looking forward to bigger and better things, but make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on more fun debates like this. I'm interested for yours because I don't know. Okay. Straightforward, like I said in the first segment. They have stabilized in the last couple of weeks. All of the underlying numbers are reaching a point now where 
everything to be a good team is getting there. They have been a good possession team all year in terms of just number of scoring chances. That's just the type of hockey Daryl's teams always play. Even when the Kings were missing the playoffs when he got fired that season, they were a positive possession team because they're going to be a volume shooting team. They're going to take a lot of shots. They're going to look for rebounds, deflections, the ugly type of goals. That's always been, that's been there all year. It's reached a nice point. They're definitely above league average there. Expected goals, that's gotten a lot better in the last two to three weeks. They're over league average there as well. The two things that are really important and the way you kind of shooting and save percentage. That's really the way you can tell if a team is bad or just getting unlucky. And for large stretches of the season, the Flames were shooting below their talent and below league average. League average is usually somewhere in the ballpark of 8% because the way you would typically calculate it, the way you typically calculate with you're getting lucky. So it's out of 100. League average goaltending is 9-10, and then shooting percentage is usually about 9, 8.5. Those two numbers together equal 100. That's typically how you calculate if a team is lucky or bad. If they're under 100, they're getting bad luck. They're not getting bounces. If it's over 100, they're getting lucky in some department. And some people will say that's not entirely fair. If you have a super good goalie, the goalie's part of the team. Just big picture-wise, for comparing to other teams, it's a useful way to do it. They're getting there. The goaltending is getting close to that at-league average number at 5-on-5. And the shooting percentage is just about league average at 5-on-5. That's the thing. And there's no guarantee it's going to stay, but like we've been saying, but if they maintain that level, the luck will eventually, the goals will eventually come and the saves will eventually start to come. I don't think Markstrom is as bad as he's been the first 40 games or so of the season. I think he'll get closer to what he's been in the past. If he can get to 9-10, 9-15, slightly above average, the Flames can get to about 8% shooting, 8.5% shooting. You're looking right at 100 and you're about lucky, uh, excuse me, you're about league average. That's all they need to be is league average, and yeah. they should be fine as a playoff team. Well, I hate to bring it up, but you didn't mention special teams and how abysmal the power play is. Yes, that's and fair. The power play after last night is now ranked 27th in the yep. league, and that's bad. That's bad. Yes. They they dropped to it was nineteen point two percent yesterday and it dropped to eighteen percent. So I'm just going to tell you right now that is obviously very much below league average. The league average is 22-21-22. and I wish that this team could decline penalties and say no, like it, it's okay, like we don't we don't need the man advantage, like. How about we go on the PK instead because they're so much better on the penalty kill. They are ranked ninth in the league. They jumped from, I believe, 12th um, yesterday to number nine. So again, positive progress here. We're we're making steps, but they aren't generating anywhere near as many shots on the power play as they should be. You know, I think two or three games ago, it was... They generated one shot. Okay, great. You have two minutes. And that's... I I get it. Maybe the other team has a better penalty kill, but against the Canucks, again, embarrassing. And your special teams come out in the postseason. They come out because teams are chippy. You're chippy. Need I remind everyone of game one against the Dallas Stars? 
and how Rasmus Anderson was ejected in like the first minute or what first 10 minutes of the game. And I don't think that there is enough time for this team to keep going up and down, up and down. It is going to be very much like the shortened season where they just ran out of time. Okay. I completely agree with you that the power play hasn't been good enough. That's a very fair critique. Part of that is just they don't have the personnel to run the type of power play that they want to run. They haven't really figured out the ideal alignment. I'd be a proponent of some kind of 1-3-1 alignment with one defenseman up high. But that would be Anderson on the first power play. And then you kind of figure out who you want to put down low. You probably would do Manjapani or would you do Coleman as your retriever to get loose pucks, deflect pucks in front of the net. You'd have Lindholm, you'd have Kadri, and you'd have Huberto, some alignment of the three across the middle. And you go from there. I, 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 It's a fair critique that the special teams aren't good enough, but my one rebuttal to that would be 80 to 85% of the game is played at 5-on-5. Five five. If they keep playing at 5-on-5 mm-hmm. five five like this, eventually the offense will come. Yeah. But if the offense comes, that'll make the defense's life a little bit easier, which will make the goaltending's life a little bit easier. Because you said it before, they are behind in these games way too much. It is very challenging to play from behind every single night when you're not a high-powered offensive team. Yeah, it's exhausting. And, you know, they're human beings, too. And, you know, they clock into work the same way that most of us do. But they just play on it. It's just a little bit of a different playing field, a little bit of a different pay scale. But, you know, they they get tired, I'm sure. Uh, You know, again, I think back to the shortened season. Even though they had such high caliber players, they couldn't fix what the problem was at the beginning and much of the start of the season reminded myself and a few other people out there of the Jeff Ward team that got him fired and is there going to be enough time for the Flames to turn that around and I don't know they've gotten very lucky in terms of injury in terms of health and again this is just all a giant hypothetical, but what if the deadline doesn't go in their favor? But if, I mean, that it's hard to say that because, like, they're going to add something. Like, yeah, they could end up with, like, you know, Joel Edmondson. Like, that would be bad. Like, wow. if, they, if, if they ate the cheese on Edmondson from Montreal, that would be bad. But I, I think no matter what, they're adding at least one forward and probably one more defenseman just because they, they've invested too much in this group to to not at least try. I, I There are definitely people who force themselves and talk themselves into making a move because they feel like they need to. That I could see as the argument for how they miss at the deadline. That I could see. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, just the special teams, mainly the power play, it kills me. When they went on it last night, I was like, why, why why would you do such a thing? You know you know what's coming when you do that. And you have to sit there and watch. What like this is a mistake. It's frustrating. It is. And I just I hope that I don't know. I know that Zadorov and Hannafin kind of lead the team in penalty minutes, so maybe Stop being then, silly. Yeah, like we we've already talked about Zadorov taking all those penalties. We've we've beat it into the ground. Um, hopefully, they can get find some self discipline, some self awareness. But at the same time, if it hasn't come by now, 
it's probably not coming. The Zadorov heat checks are amusing. I can't lie. Every now and then when he just skates through the neutral zone at full speed and just rips a shot as soon as he gains the zone, oh, yeah. he's feeling himself. It's hysterical. I can't lie. I, I respect the heat check. You know, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, he's a fancy dresser, so he's got that confidence going on. He's got a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. Why not shoot the puck? It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess sometimes we all have to feel like uh, Zadorov, But then again, don't play like him. Where I you're... Feel... Oh, I was going to say, I feel like Quinn Hughes most of the time, to be honest with you. I am 200% Quinn Hughes. <laughs> uh, just having an out-of-body experience. Yeah. Absolutely. But do you have any more remarks before we wrap up today? I really wish they would have won that game last night. I was so tired. I was so oh, yeah. tired by the end of that game. And I was like, I, I will stay up for the overtime. Please tie the game. I know. Yeah. I that Yeah, no, that was a really good game. Especially when it was still nothing. It was yeah. still scoreless. That was, I think, the most fun that I've had watching a Flames game in a, in a minute. Uh, especially when it's scoreless. <laughs> but both, both goalies were really good last night. Both I, were really good. Yeah, no, I forgot that Connor Hellebuck is still very good because I think last year he had a little bit of a, of a, a dip, year, which yeah. happens. But even Markstrom yeah, making he was some phenomenal back-to-back saves. So, you know, I do give him credit there. Um, just make sure you bring it in the spring if that's, if that's happening. But... Thank you, everyone, for listening to Locked On Flames. Make sure you tell us who you think won this wonderful first mock trial edition of Locked On Flames. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Flames wherever you get your podcasts. Come hang out with us in the YouTube comments, but only if you're going to be nice. And, of course, remember to rate, like, subscribe. Uh, leave a nice little review um, on Apple. Can't do it on Spotify yet. Yes, you can. Yes, you, you can. can. You can leave podcast reviews on Spotify. Yeah. I've only seen the ratings. I'll have to look that. Oh up. no, ratings. Yeah, I thought that's what you meant. My mistake. Oh yeah, no, I no no uh, no written reviews yet. But go over and give us some stars and be nice. Download some episodes so we can go to some playoff games. And Nick, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can follow me at Nick Zararis on Twitter. You can find all my other work on my Twitter. My Linktree, thank, uh, thankful. My Linktree is a very useful service, very very helpful service. I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of content. So I'll see you on the internet. Yes, and if you're a New York Giants fan, you're going back to the playoffs. Yes. You need a team to root for. Nick has you covered, but I think you should root for the Cowboys, and that's on a different episode here on Locked On Flames. <laughs>